grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this morning we celebrate the Holy and the Divine Liturgy on the third Sunday of the Blessed Coptic Month of Tahope. And this Gospel reading, I think, is always arranged for us by the Lord, especially in these days, uh, because the message is relevant for us, especially these days and especially uh, this week. Our Gospel reading came from Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 28, and it spoke to us about the healing of a demon-possessed man. A certain man was brought to our Lord Jesus Christ. He was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. So in other words, he couldn't see, he couldn't speak, and because he was demon-possessed, he could not even think clearly. And so we see that the senses, the natural senses that he and every human being needs for faith were completely closed off in this man. And so our compassionate Savior saw him. And seeing the condition of this man, he had mercy upon him and restored him to wholeness by casting out every sickness and every demon from him. And as I said, how interesting is it that our mother, the Holy Church, nourishes us with this passage that deals with demons and evil spirits around this time every year, just before many people in our society celebrate willingly such things. And so today I propose we meditate on the casting out of demons in only three points. Firstly, let us speak a little bit about demons and their existence. Are they real? Has anyone ever seen a demon? No. Is it something? Hopefully not. That's good. That's a good sign. Um, is it something that we should take seriously? Well, we Orthodox Christians, we know that in this life, there is more to the world than we can see with our eyes. The world is not simply made up of the things that can be seen or the things that can be measured by science. In fact, a very large part of God's creation is not seen by men. And this belief is part of the very faith of the Church in the Nicene Creed, which we recite continually in our individual and communal prayers. We say the following, I believe in one God, God the Father, the Pantograntor, creator of heaven and earth, and all things seen and unseen, and unseen. And so this is our faith. There are things that are seen, and there are likewise things that are unseen. And similarly, in the, in the Divine Liturgy of St. Basil in the Anaphora, we pray uh, and we address God and how He created the visible and invisible through Christ. And so in both of these statements, we see that we have faith that God who made the things we see also made things that we cannot see. And among the things that we cannot see, of course, we cannot see the kingdom of heaven in its fullness. The kingdom of heaven is within us, and we strive to live the kingdom here on earth. But the kingdom of heaven as a sight to behold, we do not yet see. We do not see our own souls as human beings. Every human, of course, is made of a body and a soul. And we are united, you know, the visible body and the invisible soul are united. And death is when the invisible soul leaves the visible body. But we cannot see our souls, and we cannot see when the soul leaves the body. 
We also have as part of the invisible creation the ranks of angels. Some people have seen angels, and some people continue to see angels. With respect to these angels, they are primarily invisible, and we know that God created them for His service and His ministry. He gave them free will, just as He gave human beings. Before the creation of the visible world, we know that up to one-third of these invisible angels rebelled against God under the leadership of Lucifer, uh, who was one of the exalted cherubim. Lucifer exercised his free will. He exalted himself above God. He wanted what belonged to God for himself because he thought himself worthy. He fell into the sin of pride, and he ultimately turned his back on God. And when Lucifer did this, he became the adversary of God and also of man later, which is why he is called Satan. The word Satan in Hebrew simply means adversary. He is the adversary of God, and because we are made in God's image and as God's exalted creation, he has also made himself our adversary. Now all of those angels who followed him they likewise fell, and they became fallen angels, or demons. And we know that before the creation of the visible world, they were overcome by the holy archangel Michael, and they were cast out of heaven. And now they torment mankind as a way of rebelling and lashing out against God. They know very well that they have no power or authority over God, so they try to hurt us because we were created in the very image and the likeness of God. And because of his envy and his spite, Satan lashed out at God by seducing the first woman and tempting the first man to disobey God and fall into sin. And from that time until now, Satan continues to oppose the people of God trying to drag as many of us down to eternal perdition as possible. And this is why Holy Scripture teaches us, nevertheless, through envy of the devil, death came into the world, and they that are of his side do find it. And these words should sound familiar because we echo these words in the prayer of reconciliation, the first prayer that we're going to pray in the liturgy after this. We say that, uh, through the envy of the devil, death entered into the world. And so Satan and his demons cannot bear to see us so loved by God. They cannot bear to see people who delight the Lord by their faith and their Christian lives. So Satan and his demons continually make war against us. And this is why St. Peter counsels us in his epistle, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, there's that word again, Satan, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so from all of this, brothers and sisters, we learn an important lesson, a lesson that we might have forgotten living in, a, in the modern world. Satan and his demons are real. They are real. Satan is not a mythical creature. He is not a personification of evil that human beings invented in literature and in poetry. He is a real 
and a supernatural being who is opposed to God and mankind, and he continually seeks our destruction. And I mention this today because it is definitely not fashionable to speak about the devil today. In our post-Christian uh, secular society, people oftentimes deny the existence of the devil. They laugh it off. Or even worse, they make cartoons, caricatures of him in movies and TV shows and video games, and yes, even in children's Halloween costumes. The great 20th century Christian writer C.S. Lewis reminds us in his marvelous book, The Screwtape Letters, that the greatest victory of the devil was to convince the world that he does not exist. That was his greatest victory. And you may wonder, well, why would the devil not want us to believe that he exists? And the answer should be straightforward and simple. As long as we don't believe the devil exists, then we will not be sober and watchful over our souls. Then we're not going to care. We're going to laugh it off. We're going to go along with the cartoons. And we're going to pretend that everything is okay and that life is okay. And we will fail to take the steps necessary to overcome the devil and his evil works. But today's gospel reading is a reminder to each and every one of us that Satan and his demons do exist as part of the invisible creation. Not that God made them to be evil. God made everything good. But God endowed them with free will and Satan exercised that free will and chose the absence of good, which is evil, and up to a third of the angels rebelled with Satan, and so now we have these evil supernatural beings who reject God and reject good, and they continually tempt us. They are real, brothers and sisters. Secondly, let us speak about the Lord's authority over the demons. Although our Lord Jesus Christ cast out demons in today's Gospel reading, He actually wasn't the first to do so in Scripture. In First Kingdoms chapter 16, which in the, the Protestant canon, the Protestant Scripture is 1 Samuel 16, we learn that Saul, the king of Israel, was afflicted by an evil spirit, a demon. And the only thing that cast the spirit out of him was David playing beautiful music for him. And it came to pass when the evil spirit was upon Saul that David took his harp and played with his hand and Saul was refreshed and it was well with him and the evil spirit departed from him. Later on in the book of Tobit we read about another demon by the name of Asmodeus. And this demon kills seven husbands of Tobias' future wife because the demon is said to be in love with this human woman. And it was the holy archangel Raphael who provided Tobias with detailed instructions as to how to cast out Asmodeus. And so even in the Old Testament, we do see cases of demons being cast out by the power of God. But in today's gospel, we find something a little bit different. In today's gospel, we see our Lord Jesus Christ casting out demons by his own authority. It wasn't David playing the harp and playing the song that cast out the demon, nor was it the archangel Raphael who came down, but instead it was our Lord's own authority that he could cast out a demon with a single word, with a single word. Wherever our Lord Jesus Christ was, 
the demons would literally scream in his presence. In Mark 1 and Luke 4, we read about one demon who possessed a man in the synagogue. And when our Lord simply entered the synagogue, when he was just in the same physical place as these demons, they cried out and said, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked the demon and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And instantly the demon was cast out. In Mark 5, Matthew 8, and Luke 8, we hear about the demons living among the Gadarenes, literally begging our Savior to cast them out into a herd of swine because they could not stand to be in the mere presence of the Lord in this whole city. Our Lord had just entered the city, the Gadarene city, and the demons couldn't stand that he was there in that city. And they beg him for permission to be cast into a herd of swine. And the herd of swine then uh, runs into the lake and they all perish. And so brothers and sisters, scripture teaches us that wherever our Savior was, he was the terror of the demons. He was the terror of the demons. And so we see that they feared him. They obeyed him unconditionally. They fled from his presence. Our Lord exercised his great power over them for the sake of our salvation, to liberate us from their chains. Our Savior descended from heaven, was incarnate, and came to us in a great humility so that he might destroy the devil and his works. St. John the Beloved teaches us in his first epistle, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And this, of course, he accomplished through his life-giving work, which brings us to our third and final meditation. Let us conclude today by speaking about how we can share in our Savior's victory over the devil. Our Savior did not simply overcome the devil and his demons by his power, but he also bestowed his authority upon us as well. In Matthew 10, the Lord commands his disciples, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. In Mark 3 and Luke 9, we read that when he appointed the 12 disciples, he gave them the authority to cast out demons. In Luke 10, we read that the same authority was also given to the 70 apostles. And so as Christians, we receive the power to reject the devil and his demons from the day of our baptism. In the prayer of thanksgiving, we address the Lord and we say, for you have given us the authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and every power of the enemy, echoing what our Lord said in Luke 10. And so, beloved of Christ, we must now be convinced that the devil and his demons are real. But more importantly, our Lord has absolute authority over them, and he shares that very authority over us, with us. And the Holy Scriptures provide us with many instructions as to how we can exercise this authority. St. Peter reminds us that first of all, we need to be sober and vigilant. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Second, we must 
praying at all times of temptation. Our Lord tells us in Matthew 26, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. When we are tempted, we can't just stand there. We can't be immobile and paralyzed. We have to start praying. We have to start praying and asking God for help. And this must be a continual habit. This is why the church, through the Holy Spirit, has given us arrow prayers like the Jesus prayer. My Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. My Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, help me. My Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I praise thee. The church gives us these arrow prayers because they're very quick to reach the heart of God. And when we pray them at times of temptation, we find instant help. If you're tempted with, for example, an evil thought, you can pray the Jesus prayer one time, five times, up to a hundred times, and I promise you that evil thought will pass away. If you move on with the rest of your day and the evil thought comes back, you start the Jesus prayer all over again, one time, five times, up to a hundred times, the evil thought will go away. And this is how we live. We're in a battle, right? We're tempted, so we fight back with prayer. They fight back with another temptation, we fight with prayer. It's a battle, it's a struggle, but we have to be serious and we have to acknowledge, like St. Peter says, that we need to be sober, we need to acknowledge that we are in a battle, uh, and we need to watch and pray as our Savior says. Thirdly, we have to trust in God to deliver us ultimately from the evil one. We see what's going on in the world today. We see and we can only imagine what type of evil makes those Hamas terrorists go into Israel and commit those atrocities. And we think what kind of evil would then uh, permit or encourage the Israelis to start bombing and killing so many of the innocent Palestinians. And so we see that there's something behind this. This is not an act of human beings because if we were to meet these human beings on the street, not during a time of war, we would probably say, these are you know, decent, normal people. They're not bloodthirsty people uh, in the normal course of, of affairs. But we see that there's something behind all of this. There's a, a supernatural force moving all of this to happen. And we see that for His purposes, the Lord is allowing it to happen. But we need to have faith and trust in God that He is faithful and He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. And that with the temptation, God will also provide a way of escape. Uh, so the Lord will help us and He will give us not only an eventual end, but He will show us the way of escape in the right time. An Eastern Orthodox elder explains, he says, the evil one will never cease shooting at us with his flaming arrows and trying to overcome and dominate us. But we also have many deadly weapons, in particular the prayer, Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me, literally burns him. This is why he tries to fight us in an indirect manner, but our Christ enlightens us with his holy commandments to fight him. And so we see we have very powerful tools that help us when the whole rest of the world goes mad. When the world around us is crumbling and there's evil in every corner, we have very powerful tools as Christians to help us to endure and to move forward and to be faithful unto the end. 
Because that's the goal. We have to make it to the end. Our Lord says, he who endures to the end will be saved. So we need to set our minds not to look this way or that way, but to make it to the end, to the finish line. And so now we see, hopefully, that demons are real. We see that our Lord has absolute authority over them and that he shares this authority with us. We receive it on the day of our baptism as Christians. Now that you have these points in mind, imagine, dear brothers and sisters, just imagine being given this great power over the demons from the Lord himself who has authority over the demons and then choosing willingly to dress like them and then choosing willingly to watch movies and television shows that celebrate that. Imagine coming to church, receiving of the divine body and blood of the Son of God, and then watching a movie about people or supernatural beings healing each other. It doesn't make any sense to me. Even if we are not the types of people who wear scary costumes, don't we sometimes watch these things innocently? Don't we sometimes watch things just so that we can be scared by depictions of the devil and the demons? But when we do this, we forget something. We forget that our Savior himself was the terror and the horror of the demons. They screamed in his presence. The scariest movie for the demons, if they were, let's say, to watch a movie, the scariest movie for them would be The Passion of the Christ or Jesus of Nazareth. For us, we have scary books like Bram Stoker's Dracula or anything by Stephen King. But for the demons, the scariest book is the Bible because the Bible records God's love for mankind and his absolute authority over the demons and his authority over Satan and the demons in the end of the age, when all of them will be cast into hell. And so as we see the world um, in, in this madness that we have today, and we also see this week many people around us choosing to embrace uh, things that are evil, things that are cartoonish, but behind them is something evil. As we see this, we should make a choice, a clear choice, and say, this is not for me. This is not for me. I am called to something greater. I'm called to a higher purpose. I am going to stay with the Lord who has authority and gave me authority over all these things. And this is why our church is going to have an alternative. If our children want candy, we'll give them candy. If they want a nice and enjoyable night with their friends, we'll give that to them here in the church in a holy environment so that we don't need to countenance uh, this other holiday or pretend that it's something in our lives, it really isn't. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with any celebration of anything good or pure or holy. And so we need to take a stand as Christians and the church will help us do that. To our Lord be glory with his all holy Father and the life-giving and Holy Spirit, now and forever and unto the age of all ages. Amen.